getting hitched, tying the knot, jumping the broom, taking the plunge, getting her off the payroll. That was actually from my daughter's wedding last week, or last year. That was mine. (laughs) That was my quote. (laughs) Setting up housekeeping. Two becoming one. A new beginning. The beginning of the end. Taking on the old ball and chain. What am I talking about? <laughs> talking about he pointed to his wife. We're talking about, you're talking about my wife. We're talking about marriage this morning, all right? So don't, don't check out if you're, if you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't apply to me, because it will apply to you, I promise. All right, here's what I want you to do real quick, though. Zach, can you put up on the screen my phone number? All right? Because I am the marriage expert, and so therefore I'll need you to call me when you have questions. No, I'm not the marriage expert, I promise you. 816-812-5722, all right? I want you to have this phone number because I want you to get out your phones because I want you to start text messaging me. Marriage is, and I want you to fill in that blank, all right? Marriage is fill in the blank, okay? Now I'm looking around and I know some of you have been married for a long time. Some of you uh, have been married for a short time. Uh, Just a couple things I want to get out from the start, all right? Did we get that up there? Can you do that? 816-812-5722. Do not call me um, early in the morning to come shovel snow for you. I used to do that at the Baptist church. I retired from shoveling snow. No, actually, I'll still do that if you need me to. A few things to get out, get out in the open from the start here. I am not a marriage expert. Just ask, ask my ex-wife or my current wife, and they will tell you that is true. I realize that not all of you are married. Some of you uh, are here this morning, and, and on a serious note, some of you have lost a spouse. Um, I've walked down that road with my mom and, and my father-in-law, and it's a, it's a tough road to walk down. As a matter of fact, about a week and a half ago, I was driving down the road, and just, I just heard this, uh, it's odd, I heard an Ozzy Osbourne song called Mama, Mama, I'm Coming Home, but you know what it made me think of? It made me think of my dad, and my dad had, had, um, had passed away, and I couldn't figure out why it was such an emotional experience for me. Like, I literally started to cry in my car, and I called my mom, and I said, Why, Mom, I'm just really missing Dad this morning. What, what's going on? And she said, You know, Brady, do you realize 20 years ago today we were in the hospital, and your dad was dying? And it's like the Holy Spirit just kind of revealed that to me through these tears. It was crazy. So I realized some of you have lost a spouse, and my mom and I, had a moment to talk about that, you know, and she's remarried now. She's happy, but she still misses. See, they were there married for over 20 years, and, they, and she still misses him. He was, my, he was my dad. So so I know that some of you have lost a spouse. Some of you are too young to be married, right? I'm looking right at you. You're too young to be married, okay? But one of these days, you more than likely, you will be married. So you want to listen this morning because you want to prepare yourself to be the person God has called you to be, so when you are ready, when that right person comes along, you're ready for them. So many times we think, well, I want to look for, I'm just looking for that perfect person. Well, first of all, you're not going to find them. And, this, and second of all, why don't you work on you so that when God brings that person to you, you're ready. So young people, listen, be ready. I'm going to give you some stuff this morning that help you be ready for that day when you're married. doesn't matter how old you are, you can get ready. Some are here this morning, uh, may have been through a divorce. My wife and I have been there and done that too. Both of us had went through a divorce and we're still paying for those t-shirts for sure um, years later. But I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little while. Some of you may never get married. 
I, I realize that's a, that's a possibility. Matter of fact, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there's a lot of stuff in there. Paul's talking about being married. It's about the subject of being married. He even says, maybe it's better not to marry because then you can focus more on serving the Lord. Because when you, when you do get married, th- this other person with a nail in their head takes up a lot of your time and attention. And you have to, pay, and you have to make sure that you're serving and honoring them. And that's good. Uh, marriage is hard work, but it's worth it. And so, did we get the number up there? Good. All right, so is anybody pr- participating already? All right, there's one right here. Work. Uh, it's not about love. It's about commitment. Okay? So one person has participated so far. You guys need to pick this up. But maybe you don't have signal. I mean, that could be the problem if you don't have signal in here, if you don't have your phone with you. All right, we'll just wait and see if anybody else pops up here. Okay, so marriage is, and we're going to talk about that a lot more this morning. Marriage is the center of God's purpose for mankind. Therefore, it's, it's definitely something that, is, um, that we need to take seriously. Here's, here's what we believe about marriage. I'll just read this real quick as a few of them are coming through. Marriage. We believe that the home was the first institution God provided for man. It wasn't the church. It was marriage. It was a family. It was a, a, a man and a woman coming together to become one. Marriage is a sacred relationship between one man and one woman for life. And that is our, that is our stand on marriage. That'll be, that'll be the information that will be in our church bylaws, and that is what we believe to be true. And we realize it's a, big, it's a hot button right now in the culture that we live in today, and it's all over the news. And I will not stand up here and rail against anything, but I will stand up here in support of marriage the way God intended it to be. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you for for marriage because it was your idea. And in the very beginning of time, you created all things. You said it was good. You even said it was very good. And then you, you... the ultimate creation was man, and then you did something incredible, God. You, um, you created a woman from him, from his rib, and then you gave her to him, and, and that was the beginning of this the subject that we're talking about today. God, I pray that you would also reveal to us that it's more than just about a man and a woman. It's about Jesus and his church, a marriage, a relationship. You know, how does that, what's the implications of that on our lives this morning? We praise you and we thank you for being present with us here today and that you are able, for sure, to help us through anything that is that we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Here we go. Marriage is a roller coaster. That could be true, right? My wife hates that part of the roller coaster, you know. We're ramping up, getting ready to get married. There's a wedding, wedding night, everything's wonderful. <laughs> Screaming, hands in the air. That can be like marriage, that's for sure. Uh, marriage is, is growth in love, right? Marriage is unconditional love and commitment. Marriage is give and take. Marriage is fun. This person hasn't been married too long, but it's still fun. That's awesome. Marriage <laughs> is teamwork, and then I'll, I'll hold all of these anonymously, so you don't have to worry about it. I won't post them on Facebook later. Uh, having to stand out in the cold because your wife says so. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, marriage is teamwork. All right? Mar- once again, marriage is teamwork. That must be a common theme. Marriage is understanding. 
Marriage is enjoying life with your best friend between one man and one woman. Tough at times, but rewarding. Uh, all right, on and on and on. And you can, obviously, you can just get online. You can say marriage is, and you get all kinds of in, in quotes about it. Some of them are, are positive. Some of them are pretty negative. Some people are really, really hateful when it comes to marriage. And, and maybe it's because maybe they've had a difficult experience in marriage. And uh, they've, they're jaded because of their past experience. Or because maybe they've seen other people struggle in marriage. And then there's an issue there as well. So what I want to do is I want to give you some lessons coming out of a wedding ceremony that, that is obviously the beginning part of marriage, or at least the, the kind of like the official beginning of it, even though um, marriage starts way before the wedding day. The hardest, most consistent thing we've ever done, forgiveness. Marriage is a gift from God. It's a picture of Jesus and his church. Um, this woman last night in my home said, marriage is awesome. That was my wife, by the way. I was like, what do you want? <laughs> what do you need me to do for you? <laughs> no, that, marriage is a full-time job. Very good. Very good. All right, so lessons from a, a wedding, wedding ceremony. And these are, these are excerpts from wedding ceremonies that, uh, that I've done. We're here to be joyful witnesses of one of God's most precious miracles. It's a miracle of a man and a woman who love one another enough to commit the rest of their lives to each other in marriage. Now, this love that we speak of today is more than just a feeling or an emotion. It's a decision. It's a, a choice made. Because the feelings come and the feelings go. But when you make a decision to love someone through the good times and the bad, it's a covenant, a binding agreement between two people, not only two people, but two families. Now, marriage is meant to be a sacred thing. And at its deepest level, marriage is personal and it's spiritual. It's a companionship ordained and instituted by God. He is the one who designed it. Therefore, God is the one who gets to define it. Therefore, it's not something to do lightly, and it's not something to be undone by man. I spoke about divorce earlier. I know it's part of some of our stories. There is no condemnation here, if that's your story. A long time ago, uh, a church voted on me becoming the youth pastor, and one person voted against me because I had been divorced. Therefore, I was unworthy to serve. And they left the church because of it. But everybody else said, you know what? God's grace is sufficient. And I thought about this, I thought about this song. Um, it just immediately came to my mind when I was thinking about this subject. It's called Only Grace by Matthew West. And here's, the, here's a, a phrase that comes from this, and I want you to think about this. If um, if divorce is part of your story. There is no guilt here. There is no shame. No pointing fingers. There is no blame. What happened yesterday has disappeared. The dirt has washed away, and now it's clear. There's only grace. There's only love. There's only mercy. And believe me, it's enough. Now, if divorce involves children, it's extra hard. I get that. In reality, children never win when it comes to this issue. My oldest daughter packed her bag every other weekend and had to disrupt her schedule, and go to here and go to there. But you know what? We made it work, though. And here's how, here's how we made it work. It started with uh, a phrase, I forgive you. That has to happen. 
Even, even if, if, if the situation is really, really hard to forgive, we must get to the place where we, we can look at the other person and say, if God is willing to forgive me, then I must be willing to forgive you. That doesn't mean you have to be, be a doormat and get walked all over. I get that. But that does mean you need to learn to forgive and to let go. It, needs, it means that we need to make sure that when we're, when we're dealing with our children, that we keep our children first. Like our decisions are to benefit them, not ourselves. Because that's what happens. We start using our children as weapons against the other person. Not appropriate. Not biblical. And it's just no bueno. It's just no good at all. We can't do that. But that happens so many times. And you know what? Our kids get caught up in the middle of that, and they don't win. We've got to set themselves, make it as normal as possible. Hey, I know this is hard, but hey, you know what? When, when we're together, this is how it's going to be. And when you're with your mom, that's exciting too. And uh, support your mom, and I encourage her. And, and so we, that we could do a whole other sermon on all of that, all right? But that is part of the reality when it comes to marriage. Now it gets to my favorite part of the way. This is, that was a side note. Now we're back on track. My favorite part of the wedding is when the bride is in sight and you see her and then I'm standing next to the groom and I'm looking at his face. Now even if you've seen her before, there's something about that particular moment where his knees get a little weak, maybe a little bit of emotion on his face and he's a little nervous and I just put my hand on his back. It's like, bro, it's going to be okay. This is just, this is the click, 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 you know. It's just the beginning. It's going to be awesome, though. And then here she comes, and her dad, if he's in her life and is able to, he's walking her down the aisle. Now, as a dad of daughters, it's a powerful moment for me. And I'm like, man, here it comes. Man, this is going to be the transfer of trust, you know. The father's walking her down the aisle. The, the groom's there. And then I, say, I, tell, I tell the husband, I said, you are about to receive your bride. She's not only a gift from her heavenly father, but she's, she's a, or not only a gift from her earthly father, but she's a gift from your heavenly father. And then I ask the question, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And he typically says, her mother and I, you know, like he's a dad, like he's waiting his whole life to say that phrase, her mother and I, or her family and I, or we all do. It's about time, whatever it is that he feels like he's, he needs to say. And then, and then I say, you know, my friend, Go get your bride. So he goes. It's a short walk, but it seems like an eternity. He goes up. He shakes the father's hand, gives a hug maybe or whatever. She kisses her dad one last time on the cheek. And then he takes her arm. And then they come forward. Dude, as a dad, so powerful. I just trusted my baby into this other man's arm. And that trust has been coming a little bit at a time as they first started dating and all the process that goes along with that. But then at that particular moment, it becomes real. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. First wedding. Thanks for participating in the survey, too. It was good stuff. I'll read the rest of them later. Starting in verse 18, Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. 
Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, probably because he knows man's tolerance for pain. There's no way the man could, could be, be awake when this was going on, even though women can give childbirth that way. It's amazing. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made woman from the rib that he had taken out of man and brought her to the man. And the man said, Woe, man. I've never seen anything like this. The animals are cool, but God you saved the best for last because you created woman and you brought her to me. Scripture says, he said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. For she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked. It's a honeymoon. And they felt no shame. When you discover that marriage has a greater purpose than just living happily ever after, it will lift your marriage up from the everyday, just run-of-the-mill relationship and place it on this high and lofty spiritual plane. A place where you see God is in this. and He's got a purpose for this. Look at Genesis 1. Just turn over just a little bit there. Genesis 1. 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that the, they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the first purpose of marriage could be found in the fact that we as a couple, as a marriage, married couple, can reflect God's image to the rest of the world. We are to mirror God's image. The Hebrew word for mirror means to reflect God, to magnify, exalt, and to glorify Him. Your marriage could be a place that reflects God's image to a world that desperately needs to see who He is. That can be done in marriage. Because we are created in the image of God, people who wouldn't otherwise know what God is like can get a glimpse of Him in our marriage. Marriage is far more important than you have ever imagined because it affects God's relationship on the planet. Why do you think there's such a battle right now in our world for this particular subject? Jesus created us to have this incredible abundant life and the enemy comes against that. The enemy does not want to see marriages succeed. We see them fail all the time. And, you know, and that's part of his plan. It reflects God's image. It's essential that we set up and allow God to be the center part of our home. And it's not easy. It's a battle. I'm a pastor. It doesn't always happen that way in my home. My wife can tell you. She could be just honest with you and say that sometimes I fail. But I have to not give up. <laughs> I have to keep fighting and keep fighting for my, for my marriage and fighting for our home. Especially second marriages, they're even extra hard. 
we managed to hang in there almost 21 years. I think we're, we're kind of like, now we're down, and now we're just kind of coasting. Sometimes it's upside down, but then it's all fun. And someday we'll come to the end of the ride, hopefully not for a, a long time. Purpose number two, we complete each other, and we experience companionship, all right? So no suitable helper was found for Adam. Adam was all alone, and then God created this woman, and ladies, we know God saved the best for last, didn't he? Think about it. It's the last thing he created was you. And then he gives her, just elbow the guy next to you if you got a guy next to you. And say, I told you. I told you that was true. Adam was alone. He had a need. And God provided for that need by creating Eve. And then it was Adam's responsibility to receive her from the Lord. Just like when the father walks her down the aisle. And then the, the husband goes forward to receive him, to receive her unto himself. Just like mankind had a need, and the only thing that was suitable for that particular need was Jesus. And then God sent Jesus. There's a correlation here. Those two go together. Adam trusted God, and Eve was the perfect one for him. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, if you're married, do you view your spouse as a gift from God. They are not from the enemy, nor are they the enemy. You understand? Your spouse is not the enemy. The enemy is real, but it's not them. He would love to make you think they are, and get you to that place where you can start looking at each other like, like you're, just, you're just always coming against me. It's like, no, that's not... It's not the way God designed it. And that's not what he wants us, that's not how he wants us to see our spouse. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. A little over now. More in the middle of the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if I can find it here. Sneak right by it. It's embarrassing, guys. Should have just marked it. It's easy to find. Four, verse nine through twelve. I still can't find. There it is. It's a good thing that you know that your pastor is human. Four, nine through twelve. Two are better than one. Have you heard this before? Now, it's not actually talking about marriage per se, but I think it applies, right? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's used a lot in weddings. I use it probably just about every wedding that I do. And realizing that the third strand is God himself who wraps himself around the two to make them unbreakable. So together, you're more than either of you could be on your own. But even greater is a marriage that's built on a solid foundation of Jesus Christ. All right, I want you to do something. While you're still in Ecclesiastes, turn back to chapter 3. 
Now, I've never thought about this particular passage in this way until I was thinking about this message this weekend. And that's this passage that was actually turned into a, a song, I think back in the 70s. There's a time for everything. So I want you to think about this. In your marriage, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It's a time to be born and a time to die. Maybe you've experienced some of these things in your relationship. A time to plant and a time to uproot and a time to kill and a time to heal. Okay, this doesn't mean there's a time to kill your husband or your wife, but, but there are things maybe in your marriage that need to die. There's things in our relationship that need to heal. It's a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to, to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones. A time to gather them. It's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. Husbands could benefit from that word there. I know I could. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. And a time for war and a time for peace. I think there are times when we need to fight for what we know um, is the right thing in our marriage and in our relationship and not give up. So, purpose two is that we, we complete one another. We're better together than we ever could be on our own. And that leads us to this last purpose. We are to multiply a godly legacy. Okay, listen to this. A line of godly descendants, your children, will carry a reflection of God's character to the next generation. Maybe too many couples today seem to be raising their children without a sense of mission and direction. They aren't imparting to them the importance of leaving a spiritual legacy of changed lives. We could see our responsibility as parents as, as we see the uh, great commission of preaching the gospel into all the world. Like we can do that through our children, starting in our own home, making sure that they have heard the gospel. And you've heard me say this before, that as a parent, it's your responsibility to take what it is that God is giving to you and feed it to your children in bite-sized pieces in ways that they can understand. And that is our responsibility so that we'll pass it on so that when they get older, they'll do the same thing for their, chil for their children. So we can do it this way. Impart a sense of destiny and spiritual miss mission to our children. Make our home a place where children learn what it means to love and obey God. Equip our children to look at the needs of people and the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. If children do not embrace this spiritual mission as they grow up, they may live their entire lives without experiencing the privilege of God using them in a significant way. Back to the marriage ceremony. So after hearing about the responsibilities and purposes of marriage, are you ready to commit yourselves to each other in front of him and all of these witnesses? The strength of this marriage will not be in the ceremony today or in the celebration afterwards. The true power of this union is keeping of the marriage covenant and the promises you're about ready to make to one another when they say things like, I will love you for better or for worse. Whether we have a lot of money or whether we we're dirt poor, in sickness and in health. I will love you. I will honor you. I will cherish you and protect you. I will forsake all others in this earth as long as we both shall live. 
Then we exchange the rings. Rings are costly. But they are a symbol that says that this other person is spoken for. The cross of Jesus Christ was costly. It's a symbol that says to the rest of the world that we are spoken for as his bride, as the church. Then I finish up with like this. Wives, I charge you to love your husband. So ladies, listen. I charge you to love your husband with purity and devotion. Cherish him as if when God created him, he did it just for you. You're no longer your own because you've promised yourself. You first belong to your parents, then you belong to the Lord, and now you belong to your husband. Submit yourself to your husband as unto Jesus. What about this, though? What about, you know, you say, well, my my husband's not a, a Christian. He's not following Jesus. I want him to. Sometimes I nag him to get him to. Or maybe it's not just, it's not always the case with the, with the wife to the husband. Sometimes it's the other way around. But, but so many times, what if your husband, ladies, is not following Jesus? First Peter chapter 3 says that in the same way that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, submit yourself to your husband so that he might be won over, not by your words, but by your actions. You know, obviously I am a follower of Jesus and my wife doesn't have to win me over to the Lord with her actions. But when my wife loves me the right way, which she's good at, it makes me want to be a better man. I have no excuse. It takes away all my excuses. She makes me want to be a better follower of Jesus, a better pastor, a better husband, a better dad. That's her responsibility. That's on her. What's my responsibility? What's the husband's responsibility? Here's what it says. Husband, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, if you get married later on, that may not apply. But still rejoice in your wife. May she always satisfy you. May you always be captivated by her love. I charge you, men, to love your wife with all you have, your heart, even your life, just like Jesus loved us. And gave his life for each of us. Love her like Christ loved the church. Church is full of people. Imperfect people. But Jesus still loves her anyway. To the point of death. That kind of love is expressed. It's not just in words. But it's in actions. Gentlemen, right now I'll just tell you. Figure out what your wife's love language is. Okay? Because if it is acts of service and it's not necessarily words and all you do is say I love you but you never do anything to help her, she may never hear those words, I love you, the right way. Wives, same way. Find out what it is that makes your husband tick. What is it? How do you know that I love you? Well, honey, when you just, when you just come and say, I'm really proud of you. You're, I mean, you're, just, you're a good dad and you're a good father or whatever. Or you're a good husband. Words motivate me. My love language is words. So find out what your mate's love language is. Young people, listen. You have a love language too. Parents, find out what your kids' love languages are. 
There, and if you don't know what those are, just Google five love languages and, you'll figure, and you can find them. It's easy, to, it's easy to find. That kind of love is speaking about is extraordinary. Here's why it's so extraordinary. Because it places the other person's needs before your own. And as human beings, we're lousy at that. And we need to have God's help to make sure that's what we're doing. Husbands, 1 Peter 3 says, For you, treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Do you know how you can make your prayer life powerful, guys? Is to respect your wife. To love her, to treat her with kindness. It'll actually open up the doorway to heaven. It's crazy how that works. I had a gentleman tell me before I started this church, he said, Brady, let me tell you, if you do not love your wife the right way, if you're not respectful to her and you don't, don't um, give her what she needs and treat her and love her the right way, he says, don't you dare stand up in front of anybody and preach the gospel. He said, it's your responsibility to love your wife first. And I was told a long time ago, love your wife like Christ Love the church, not love the church like Christ loved the church. And you can pray for me, but sometimes the church sucks up my time and my energy. And you know what my wife's love language is? It's time. You know what I struggled to give her all this week? It was my time. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens. The very beginning, we'll finish up here. In the very beginning of time, the first husband made a crucial mistake. And this is something all of us men can learn from. Adam was passive in his relationship. Eve was being tempted, Adam was there, and Adam did not step up and shield his wife. And as men today, we've got to reject passivity. We cannot just stand back and stand by and watch. We have to lead. We have to participate. We have to engage. Before we're even asked to engage, we have to engage in the battle. Because it sometimes is a battle. Sometimes... Um, one of the gifts that I give, well, there'll be maybe a couple gifts that I'll give. Sometimes it might be a sword. I'll give a sword to the, to the man because you're leading your wife. And you just hope your wife doesn't use that sword against you sometime later on in marriage. <laughs> but you're leading your wife. You're protecting your wife. Be there. You go in front of her. Sometimes I'll give a lantern because of a story that I heard once about a, a woman's uh, young girl's dad used to lead their family home from church late at night. It'd be dark. They lived in a rural community. And he'd always go up in front of everybody with a light to lead the way to make sure everybody was safe. Gentlemen, lead the way. Young men, when you get older, lead the way. Girls, young girls, if you have some guy who's hiding behind you and letting you lead, it's a red flag. That's not him. That's not the guy. Especially when it comes to spiritual matters. Guys, lead. Lead your family. Don't be afraid. 
And then the last thing that I say to the couple, I said, I charge you both to be even-tempered, quick to forgive. Forgive as quickly and completely as God is willing to forgive you. Because there are plenty of opportunities in marriage to forgive. There's plenty of opportunities in marriage to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And can I tell you, those phrase, that phrase, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, is the exact phrase that will lead you to the doorsteps of heaven. When you look to the Father in heaven, you say the same thing to him, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Those words are powerful. I want to do something real quick. Okay, so if you've been married less than one year, stand up. Even if your spouse is not here, that's okay, just go ahead and stand up. Less than one year. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Five or one to five years. Now, one to five years, stand up. No, stay standing. Stay standing. You're not letting you have to hook that easy. <laughs> stay standing. Okay. So, five to ten years. Five to ten. Okay. 10 to 20. That's us, baby. <laughs> We're not the 21 yet. We're almost there. Uh, okay. 20 to 30. Wow, okay. 30 to 50. Wow. Flawhars, you're not that old. You can't be married that long. Linda, how long have you been married? 43 years. Awesome. All right, anybody over 50 years? All right. There's been a few times people have visited our church that could probably qualify for that. All right, so still standing. Um, I just want to pray for these, these couples right here. So Father in heaven, You, you brought a man and a woman together in the very beginning of time. Literally, God, your word starts with a, a wedding. And someday, it's going to end in a wedding celebration. And until this roller coaster ride of marriage comes to that end, God, I pray right now a blessing upon the marriages that are represented in this room. Can I be so bold, God, to say, for one, that all of the not quite convinced spouses will come to know you in a powerful, personal way? I would ask, God, that men would, would lead. Whether it was with a sword or a light or with whatever it is, that they would just lead their family. Got to pray for men, especially right now, that you would bless them. Give them courage, God, that they would not be afraid to lead. Got to pray for wives that, that would, even when their husbands don't deserve it, they, they would honor their husbands. Unless it's dangerous for them physically, God, I pray that they would just trust their husbands. Even if he's not leading well, I pray that they would just trust him. 
God, I pray for the, for the marriages that have children involved, whether it's birth children or stepchildren or, or whatever, God, that, um, that there would be peace in their home. God, I pray specifically for, for families that um, are still waiting for the gift of children. That you, in your right time, God, in the perfect timing, you would, you would bless them. Pray, Lord, for, for those who, are, who, who, who divorce is a part of their story and they do feel guilt and they do feel shame, that you would just release them from that today. That we say no more. The enemy is just holding us back from being who God has called us to today. The enemy's trying to destroy what, your marriage now that you're in, reminding you of your past. But, Lord, no more. Let's just say no more to that. And, and God, right now, I just pray that None of the couples in this room, and I know this is a bold prayer and it's not, it's just me feeling like I need to say this. God, I pray right now against divorce for any of the couples that are in this room. That we would just say as a church that we're going to stand with one another. We're going to encourage marriages. We're going to support marriages. We're going to come alongside, other men come alongside other men to help them in the fight, that women will encourage other women with their own stories of faithfulness and their own stories of struggle, God, that we would just be real with one another, because Lord, I know that there might be people that feel like, well, nobody knows what I'm going through, and if they only knew, they would look at me differently, God, I pray against that, that's a lie, and I pray as a church, we would not be that kind of a church. That this would be a safe place, a haven for people to come. And Lord, and finally, as I just finish up, but Lord, I pray right now for the students, the young people in the room, from the youngest to the oldest unmarried person in the room. God, that they would seek to be the people you've called them to be, so that when you bring the right person into their life, that person who is out preparing themselves for this day, it would be a good match, God. It would be a match that is honoring to you. They would be yoked equally to, to accomplish the task that you have for them. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The worship team is going to finish with the last song here. As they're coming up, this last, uh, this last little piece this thought that, uh, that I had. So Jesus went away to prepare a place for us as the bridegroom, to get a place ready for his bride. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. bride is to make herself ready for that day. So the question is for you as a person, are you ready? Are you ready for that day? And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're not ready. You don't want to be that person. Jesus was to come back today and you've never given your heart to him. Do that this morning. If you want someone to pray with you, we'll be up here up front. Um, 
during the last song too, we'll pass the offering basket and it'll come through and just help each other out, make sure it gets all the way to the back. And we, we, we thank you and appreciate you being here this morning. So Father, we come and just thank you for this gift, this offering that we've received today that obviously we would use it to sow deeper into this community, to bless, um, bless those that are in need, to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who need clothing, and to just be all that you've created us to be. God, I just continue to pray for these people that are here this morning. Pray for marriages. Pray for future relationships that are to come. Just pray for healing where there's hurt. God, we pray for children that are unable to be here today because of sickness and and just for those that wanted to be here this morning that couldn't for whatever reason. God, that you pour out your, your favor upon them. Father, we praise you and we thank you that we have a space where we can come and experience you experience your love, and uh, we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So hang around if you want. This, you can still, if you need someone to pray with you, just let us know. We'd love to do that. Thanks.